guys, it's Melissa. Since we're an independent podcast, your support means the absolute world, whether that's on social media, in a podcast review, or a word of mouth recommendation. If you've been enjoying this podcast and would like to take it a step further, I now have a support feature where you can contribute a one-time donation at whichever price you'd like. Click the link in the episode description to learn more. Thanks guys, now enjoy the show. The Sisterhood of the Bottomless Mimosa. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Melissa, and you are listening to Mimosa Sisterhood, where we pop bottles and celebrate women's stories. Sometimes we cover the baddest babes in history, and other times we cover everyday women with an inspirational life story. And that is what we're doing today. I am so amped. We recorded this episode months ago, and it's taken me this long to release this episode because I had so much fun with my guest that we ended up rambling for three freaking hours, and it was an absolute beast to go through the episode 6,000 times to figure out what amazing information I'd have to cut out because... I'm no Joe Rogan, and we don't do three-hour episodes here. So anyway, it's finally here, and I'm so excited to introduce you to Kira Doyle. She is a human design reader. If you have no idea what I'm talking about and you're like, what the hell is human design? Let me preface by saying, if you are a fan of astrology if you love the Zodiac, if you're obsessed with personality tests, if you're into all that woo-woo shit, then you are going to fucking love this. And I am so excited that you are hearing about it today on my podcast. Human design is very similar to astrology and that you can submit your birth information, time, date, location, and you will get a full-blown human design body chart that basically explains who you are at the absolute energetic core. And it really helps you to figure out how you should be operating in life in order to live your best life. So, Kira is a human design reader, which means that she literally will look at people's body charts and fucking spit complete magic to them about who they are and what their life is and should be like. And she knows her shit. She has such an incredible story in terms of like her entire career path and all the crazy flips and turns she's done that brought her to human design. And today in this episode, she's going to be telling you guys what human design's all about, the history of it, its origins. And she's also going to go through the entire list of human design types, which is the first thing that you will learn about yourself when you look up your body chart. So there are five different types. There is a manifester, a generator, a manifesting generator, a projector, and a reflector. And I highly suggest before you listen to this episode, you go and pull up your body chart, put all your little info in there, and figure out what type you are so that you can learn all about yourself when we get to your type in the episode. To find your body chart, you can go to www.jovianarchive.com. That's spelled J-O-V-I-A-N-A-R-C-H-I-V-E.com and get ready to have your mind blown. Also in this episode, Kira 
goes through my body chart and spits some serious facts and figures about my type, which is a projector, what that means, what that looks like, and tells me a lot of things about my chart that I have never been able to understand, and she does it flawlessly. So if you enjoy this episode and you want to learn more and more and more about human design, I highly suggest that you listen to her podcast. It's called Meeting Your Magic. I am obsessed with it. I have binged every single episode. It's so informative. And I also suggest booking a reading with her because as you're about to learn in this podcast episode, she does such an incredible job deciphering all of the ins and outs of human design and body charts. And it's honestly like she is magic that she can even do this. I swear once you pull up your chart, you're going to be like, what the fuck? And somehow she makes perfect sense out of it. So without further ado, let's dive into this shit. I don't want you to wait another second longer before meeting Kira and learning all about human design. Enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to the pod. I'm so happy you're here. Hello, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Kira and I know each other because we were in a podcast accelerator program that was ran through the podcast Almost 30. And we went through like six weeks of pod school where we learned all the tips and tricks of all things podcasting. And it was so incredible. And it was the first time in my life that I ever was introduced or heard of the topic of human design. What? And I had no clue what human design was. And I was like, why is everybody in this podcast school talking about something called human design? I don't know what that means. What Somebody has a podcast about something I've never even heard of. I don't get it. What's going on? And I like looked it up and was like, oh my God, I've fallen into the rabbit hole and I'm never climbing out. (laughs) So... I've been super excited since podcast school to chat with you because I know you are an expert, really, in all things human design, at least to me. That's how I'm looking at you. And you have a podcast about it, and I'm just so excited to learn more about it from you and for you to tell everybody your story and like in terms of how you got into human design. Tell us about your podcast. We'll talk a little bit about what it is. And yeah, it's just nuts to me because I was obsessed with am obsessed with astrology and have been my whole life. And I'm like, how did I miss the human design thing? So yeah, I'm, I mean, I loved the podcast school, but I was even more excited that I learned something new through the podcast school and that's human design. So how cool is that? <laughs> wow. That is so cool. I didn't realize that that was your first human design encounter and experience and you are a projector. So how much did you love learning about your type? Uh, I am still in love learning about my type. I am always reading articles. I like joined a Reddit group on human design and like specifically about projectors. Like I am in it. But, you know, for me, like so many things suddenly felt more clear. (laughs) So many things about just me operating on a day-to-day basis, a lot of like frustrations I've had within my own career, always like feeling like, why the hell isn't this working out? Like lots of things I've felt over the past 10 years, probably frustrations, like confused. 
about certain stuff not working for me, like all kind of went back to this like human design projector type. And I'm like, wow, that makes a lot of sense. I get it now. (laughs) So it's just been incredible to just answer questions that I've had looming about in my life for years. Totally. I'm a manifesting generator. And for those that are not familiar with human design, we will talk about what all of all of yes. this means, I promise. But um, but I felt similarly. I I had a a lot of confusion about why I was the way I was in so many areas of my life. And when I found human design, it was just like an aha moment on top of aha moment on top of aha moment. Like I wish I would have grown up knowing what this was to help me make sense of myself. You know. Oh, yeah. And like now that I've done all of just the like, what is my human design type? Now I'm like, okay, how do I run my business with human design in mind? And like all these other areas that now I'm like thinking about. And so, yeah, I just feel like this is like a long journey for me and it's only just beginning. And I'm just so excited about it because I like just as you and I have just said in this moment, so many ahas that we discovered once finding out about human design that I feel like so many other people could also experience that aha, which is largely why I really want to introduce this to all of my audience. Because if somebody like myself, who's been a diehard astrology fan their entire lives, didn't know it existed, then I feel like there's a lot of other people out there that don't know that it exists either. And so... I just hope that this episode is everything everybody's been needing. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Helps them go down that rabbit hole like I did. Okay, but before we dive in, because I want you to start off with just like, well, I figure like maybe we'll start off with you just giving a little bit of a brief explanation of what human design even is, but then go into like how you came across it in your own life and then we can answer all the crazy questions later but even before we get into all that what are you drinking i was just gonna tell you i was just (laughs) gonna say i probably should preface the fact that i was really excited for our 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 hangout tonight and i realized i did not restock any of the wine in my apartment which is never the case there's always we have a huge Mm -hmm. wine rack so i'm drinking a dirty martini Oh, nice. On on the rocks. But I, I just was like, I just got to preface this in case stuff goes off the hinges, okay? Yeah. <laughs> like, one, disclaimer. Disclaimer. One dirty martini for me is like what I need for the night. I did add a lot yeah. of ice and try to make it quite light because normally I have one of these and I'm just like, by the end of it, I'm just like, I have zero inhibitions. Uh-huh. I'm say it all. <laughs> so you guys are going to get human design unhinged. Perfect. That that sounds like a great podcast name in general. Human Design Unhinged. I like that. <laughs> um, what are you drinking? You say that. Well, same thing. I was like, oh shoot, I have a podcast today. I didn't prepare, so I was like, what do I have in the house? And I had two bottles on my wine rack, both of them white, both of them not even remotely cold. So I was like, oh shit. Well, this is what we're doing. And one of them is a bottle of Chardonnay, and I am not a huge Chardonnay fan. I actually got this delivered in, like, a wine subscription that I did, which, like, that's the only time you'll ever really find me drinking Chardonnay is if it's forced upon me. Um, (laughs) But I'm liking it. I'm actually liking it. And I'm more embarrassed because I'm drinking it with ice because I, I have to. But it's called... 
Akiyoshi Chardonnay. It's a 2019 Lodi, California, and it's made by a man named David Akiyoshi, and he's one of the independent winemakers that um, is part of uh, NakedWines.com, which I'm not sure if you've heard of that, but they're like that online website distributor that only works with independent winemakers. So... I always feel good about buying wines from them because it's like, you know, it's the the people like me out in the world trying to create a business. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm loving it. I love that. I don't know if this is an illusion or what, but I'm enjoying it. And that's saying a lot. <laughs> I'm the same way. I'm not I'm not a big Chard fan, but when usually from California, I can find one that I agree with. I, mm-hmm. I, I typically agree with all wine. Um, <laughs> right. But my favorites are like a Sauvignon, if I'm going to go white, yep. like a Sauvignon Blanc or like a very crisp, not sweet rosé or a Pinot Grigio. Twist yep. my arm. Wait, so are you drinking a dirty gin or vodka martini? I am doing vodka, but I will say uh, I'm doing kettle. But I, I actually do like gin, and I didn't get into gin dirties until I worked in um, a lounge in New York City for a while, which I'll tell you guys about in, in my cool in my story. All right. Well, le- we want to meet you. Tell us all about yourself and how you got into human design. So I, I've been into human design for about four years now, actually, which like, time flies because... It, part of it feels like yesterday. Part of it feels like I've been doing it my whole life. But I do want to say for you, Melissa, too, like you're not the only one that's not, that's unfamiliar with human design. It, it was uh, established in 1987. Oh, yeah. So that's like not even that long ago, really. No, it really is. It's not long ago at all. It happens yeah. to be the same year I was born. So it's very oh, nice. young. <laughs> it's very <laughs> Very young, uh-huh. uh, which I, I kind of thought was a sign when I found out human design and I were born in the same year. Mm-hmm. But uh, human design uses your exact birth details to generate a body graph. And it's comprised of astrology, the I Ching, Kabbalah, and the chakra system. So if you love astrology, you're going to love this. It's like next level. It's like a, an astrology chart on steroids. Where it's different is that it's not about personality. There's things in your chart that will certainly tell you about your personality traits, your gifts, your talents, all of that. But the overarching theme in human design is called energy type. Or you may hear people call it your aura type. It's how you're energetically meant to exchange with the world. And there's five different types. And each type has their own signature, like their own way where how they thrive. They have their own strategy, which is sort of the way that they do the exchange. And they also have their not-self theme. Every every type has a not-self theme, which means when they're acting in a way that's not them, this is how they present. And knowing your type alone is life-changing. Applying your strategy, which is, again, the way you're meant to interact, interact with the world, uh, and applying you know, no tapping into when you feel yourself and you're not self theme and looking at where you where your signature, where you really are meant to be, the frequency that you're meant to be operating at can be so, so helpful. So one thing I wanted to ask you, so like when you're looking at your chart, it literally is a body diagram and we're looking at different shapes, different sort of like channels really is what they are, kind of like connecting certain shapes together. And these shapes are all placed in certain parts of the body, which 
that's what's connected to different auras. Isn't it like sort of associated with the chakra system or is it? Yeah. Okay. It is. It is. So in 1780 is when there was a shift and when we grew out of having seven energy centers into having, or chakras as you would know them, um, into having nine energy centers. And this was, the, this was part of our evolvement from being just like the humans that were here to survive into being people who were here to thrive. And that is how some shifts started to happen. So when you hear about you know, an energy center in human design, there's definitely times where it feels like there's a little bit of a split. Like mm-hmm. an example, okay, a perfect example could be like the heart center in human design is is not just the space that we're meant to love out of and be out mm-hmm. of. That really in human design, that actually is a, the G center, which is a sense of identity. And the heart is responsible for our ego and our willpower and our, sense, and our sense of worth. So they don't correlate exactly um, mm-hmm. because of that. The two extras, things kind of started to shift around. But, but to, your, to your question, when you look at the chart, you'll see nine energy centers and um, some will be colored in and some will be white. The ones that are white are open. And if everything is white, that means you're a reflector. But if you want to just look at your type, you can find your type right away. Luckily, it tells you right there, mm-hmm. <laughs> right at the top. So you can you can find type. It'll tell you your strategy. And then there's authority, and authority differs um, for everyone. There, everyone can have a different authority unless ref- unless you're a reflector. Authority is how we make decisions. Uh, and I, I can talk a little bit more about the history of how it all came about, but how, how it came into my life was actually listening to almost 30, was I listening to almost 30? Actually, I was listening to a different podcast, um, but it was similar to almost 30. Mm-hmm. And Jenna Zoe came mm-hmm. on to talk about human design. And I don't know about you guys, but I really, I love a good personality test. I love a good way to kind of figure out myself. I love astrology. But I got this feeling of like, do I really need another thing to limit me? Totally. Do I really need another thing that's going to put me in a box, make me feel like I'm a certain way? Like I've always loved being a Cancer, but I always had a thing of like, but I kind of feel more like a Gemini and I am emotional, but I also am extroverted and, um, all the Myers-Briggs, like everything always felt like it was putting me in one really specific category. And I had a little bit of resistance to it, but I just said, you know what, I'm just going to listen and see, see what's what. And probably about halfway through the episode, I was driving and I actually pulled my car over to look up my chart. That's how much I just like had to know. I was like, (laughs) and I'm hooked, right? Yep. So in order to generate a human design body graph, you need your exact birth details and it's free, completely free to generate a body graph. You can go to mybodygraph.com. I love Jovian Archive and um, get my chart and it makes zero sense to me. Like, <laughs> what it's is- scary. It's intimidating at first. You're like, what am I looking at? Yeah. You kind of like, am I doing an operation? Am I a doctor? Like, what is this? does look like an operation. Uh, I saw a manifesting generator on the top of the chart and I said, oh, really? I really wanted to be a projector. So I was like disappointed and then very confused. I'm like, I, I just don't understand. And then I look up my sister and my brother. So I was in this space where I had like recently done some 
reconciliation with who I was, how I was spending my money, and I was trying to be very thoughtful about how to spend money. I was really making my own lunches. I wasn't buying coffee out. I decided I want to be on the quest for financial freedom and like in control of my life. This was the fastest I had ever whipped my credit card out. I was still on the side of the highway, by the way, just like <laughs> looking at, I was like, I have to book right now with Jen and Zoe. And what a blessing it was that she had a seven month wait to, oh, to read. Wow. Seven months? Seven months. But I had my credit card and I booked and I immediately emailed and said, if there is a single opening earlier, like, let me know. But I was hooked. Like, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And so I, that night, I was driving to a job, a job site. I, um, I got to my hotel and I just looked up human design until like 5 a.m. Like, I had fallen. I just fell down the rabbit hole. I started organizing in my computer, like, Excel spreadsheets of what all the gates meant, what all the channels, like, what everything meant. And it took me three weeks until I could completely read my own chart. Like I just completely knew every aspect. And by the time I had done all that research, I realized I could also read for other people a little bit. Like I just had all this information. I didn't know it top of mind whatsoever, but I knew what it meant. And if you had, you and I had sat together, I would say, give me a couple hours and I'll put together, I'll, I'll compile all this information and I'll put it together in a report and then I'll read the report to you. That's mm-hmm. how I do. So I was just doing it for friends. I was doing it for coworkers. And one thing kind of led to another and people, the first person I'll never forget, a girl on my creative team reached out and she said, I want to buy a reading with you. And I was like, oh my God, I'm $23. I said, $23. <laughs> She said, well, I also want to buy one for my husband and my my baby, my little girl. And I was like, all right, I'll give you all three for $40. All three. Wow. Like the cheapest that's ever gone for in all of eternity. <laughs> so it's like 48 hours of my life trying to figure out how to understand how – now I know the types and the energies, but how to understand how – things work together. Just like, what does this mean? And if she's this, what does that mean for her daughter? And if her husband's this, what does that mean? And how does it all work? And the cool thing about human design is that we're all kind of like a puzzle piece. Like we all come into the world exactly as we are, meant to fit exactly where we're meant to fit. And everything is designed to fit together perfectly. Like I am meant to compliment you, Melissa, in our conversation right now. And you're meant to compliment me. If I pulled our charts up together, I'd see us kind of fold in together, almost like, did you ever do like a butterfly painting when you were little at school and you have like half of a sheet and you fold it and you get the other half? Yep. It would be like if I had my butterfly wing and you had your butterfly wing and we put them together and I'd open it up and all of a sudden all of the missing places in me would be filled by you. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what happens with this energy. It's like I'm meant to be me and you're meant to be you and we fit together. In this really beautiful way that completes us. But the only way that the puzzle works is if I'm in my integrity, if I'm in my authenticity, if I'm doing my piece. Because if I'm trying to do your piece and you put me with you, then you don't get your what you needed. Mm-hmm. And it was this thing. It felt like it was happening slowly. It felt like it was calculated. It felt like it was experimental. It felt like it was this like me studying But there was this 
full transformation that when I look back at that year, it was 2018, the beginning of 2018. When I look back at that year, it was like, it feels like it happened in a moment. It feels like the minute I found it, I just was like, this is the thing that I want to do and study. And what immediately came up for me was fear mm-hmm. and shame, a lot of shame. So I have a wild nonlinear background. I mean, unhinged girl has never been hinged whole <laughs> life. Like just went to college for writing, wanted to be a hairdresser, but my parents said, you got to go to college first while I'm in college for creative writing. I also wanted to be a writer. I always wanted to be two things. I was like, I want to be, I want to be an actress and like save dogs. Actually, I would still love to do both of those things. Right. This is the problem. This is the problem. <laughs> it's always been like multiple, multiple things. But I decided hairdresser and writer, which really those things don't really fit. Um, but this is what I wanted to do. So my dad said, go to college. And then if you want to, you can put yourself through cosmetology school. But like, we're not doing it. So I went to school for writing, got a job working at a hair salon as a front desk manager on Newberry Street in Boston. And I became obsessed with it. That's all I wanted to do. I switched all my classes to night classes. I started managing the salon. By the time I was like 18, I was managing this like really cool salon. And um, I wanted to be a hairdresser. But then I got like a bug for PR because I started studying under the girl who did PR for our salon. I was like, oh, now I do PR. And now I do writing. And um, and then when I graduated, I said, well, no, I still want to go get my cosmetology license. So I... Um, Decided I was going to do that, but then I got a job in media, selling advertisement space. And then I decided, no, screw it. I want to do PR again. Started my own company, moved to New York City, ended up homeless, living on a couch. I had like a bunch of stuff in my car. Um, Worked my way up through the restaurant industry until I decided I'm just going to go to yoga teacher training. Do you see how crazy this story is already? (laughs) Like, it's, my parents could not follow where I was going in life. Were they they having, like, a heart attack on the side? Like, with all these abrupt changes? Yes. Every week it was like, I'm going to do this now. I'm going to do that now. And they were like, oh, not every week. I'm totally exaggerating. It's the vodka. But I was really pivoting often. And it almost felt like every time I'd get close to the thing, Every time I'd get close to the thing, I'd, I'd be like right there. And then I would say, this ain't it. Right? So yeah. like so close. And uh, it's all fine and good until you're like pushing 26 years old, which I was when I decided I'm going to enroll in cosmetology school again. And everyone was like, you just got licensed to be a yoga teacher training. But what happened during yoga teacher training was I realized for the first time in my life that like I – could decide what I wanted to do. And I could Mm -hmm. put my money and my work, my hard work behind funding my own development. And, uh, and it was just this like, Oh, if I could do this, I might as well go for the thing that I've wanted to do my whole life and go become a hairdresser and I'll figure out how to fund that. So I did. And I actually got a scholarship that paid half my tuition, which was amazing. So I was going to cosmetology school all day and waiting tables all night until like 2 a.m. And I did that for a year, a whole year. It's wild. So I am licensed. I get a job at a salon. And I, of course, this ain't it. (laughs) I want more. Oh, no. (laughs) I want more. 
what am I yeah. doing? I was just like, this is ridiculous. I want more. And um, and when I was working at that hair salon those years ago, I loved managing the salon. I loved education. I had loved the freedom I kind of had and the flexibility to, to create a brand and a business. And um, I didn't see that happening. I was at a really high-end salon in the meatpacking district. I just didn't see that. I looked around. I didn't see that in any of the hairdressers or anyone I was surrounding myself with. And what I wanted sounded like a dream. Like, I want to be a hairdresser, but I want to be involved, like, in corporate beauty. I want to do education. I want to be in development. Like, I didn't know anybody that was doing it. And I got a phone call from my old boss that I used to manage his salon on Newberry Street saying, L'Oreal is hiring. Oh, shit. For a regional education manager. And I think you'd be perfect because you bring all of this knowledge and information. So I got to go down to Fifth Avenue. I didn't even want to do it. I said, I'm not going to submit my resume. He forced me. So I got to go down to Fifth Avenue. I didn't want to submit. I submit it and they call me back. I'm like, there's no way they're going to call me. I'm so underqualified. And I end up getting through the first round of the interview. And the second thing I have to do is meet the vice president of the company in this gorgeous, like all marble building on Fifth Avenue. And I go in and I have one year of cosmetology school experience under my belt. Like one year of being a licensed cosmetologist, sorry, under my belt. And I meant to manage a territory of 30 hairdressers that have been in the industry for God knows how long and teach them anything about what it means to do hair. And I show him my resume. I didn't lie on the resume. I was very honest. And he said, I can't hire you because on paper, this doesn't make any sense. (laughs) I just physically can't do it. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, I understand. Sorry to waste your time. He said, tell me why I shouldn't use what's on paper right now. And I said, well, because I have experience doing it all. If you need me to write for you, I can write for you. If you need me to teach and facilitate, like I have made 50 people inhale and exhale at the same time in the middle of a yoga studio in Times Square during rush hour. I think I can tell people how to pick up a pair of shears. I can do, I can do anything. Anything you need me to do. If it's just, if it's not on paper, it's because I haven't done it yet. But if you look at all these things, make absolutely no sense. And I figured out how to do them all. I will figure out who to be and how to be exactly what you need me to be. And I got the job. That's amazing. Yeah. It was so cool. It was a true manifesting generator moment, even though I didn't know what it was at the time. And within one year, I got promoted to co-work on the court inside the corporate headquarters uh, with him, directly reporting to him into education development. And um, my family was celebrating. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> right. She's finally writing and doing hair. Like, all the pieces were connecting. And the crazy thing was everyone kept telling me, like, wow, this is so rare that you have all these these things that you do. And, like, you're a unicorn and you're the only one that brings this, this, and this. And it felt like everything came together for me. So when I found human design, I was like praying to, to the gods that be, do not let me fall in love with this. Do not let me try to make this the next thing. Like I've finally settled in. And even if I do fall in love with human design, knowing I'm a manifesting generator, who's to say I'm not going to fall out of, out of love with it just as quickly as I found it? So, like, do not let me embarrass myself. Like, I said that. I was like, do not let me embarrass myself. Do not let me embarrass myself. And although I was, like, first, one of the first out the gate and actually understanding even what human design was or how to read, 
Um, I was very quiet about the fact that I did it for so long because I did not want to make a fool mm-hmm. of me. <laughs> like, totally. I was like, I just, I can't have another thing. I finally have, yeah. you know, this corporate thing. So it was a bit of a struggle to get there. Um, but along the way, of course, I realized that my job, and if we have our manifesting generators listening out here, is to be as nonlinear as it feels like good for me. Just as, as long as it feels good, as long as I feel excited and to have quick things that I master and then move on to what lights my heart up. And uh, it's been three, it's been almost four years. In the fall, it will be four years of being madly in love with human design and we are going strong. And it's the longest I've ever done anything. That's so cool. Isn't that wild? Like I was so afraid to start. I was like, I'm gonna, but it it's it's still with me, and it's a never ending uh, journey of discovery, self discovery. Like the even learning human design, I'm still learning. There's still yeah. more. So when you discovered it, and when you literally dove head first off the cliff into it, did you walk away from your previous career? No. Or are you now still doing both? Yeah, so I oh, no way. I did not I did not walk away. Um I continued to so what actually happened it's really interesting but I found a client in Saudi Arabia my first year who was an influencer in Saudi Arabia and she started posting and resharing about me and the first time she did it I woke up the next morning with 500 new followers and like 45 email inquiries about human design Whoa! I know it was wild and I ended up being able to really accommodate the Middle East schedule because mm-hmm. 7 a.m my time before work I could do it Uh, And it continued on that way for a while. And there was actually a point where I was very split in half. I had um, my my first podcast was called Meeting Your Magic, which I had launched for the beauty industry. I was doing Meeting Your Magic and I was using human design to fund. Wait, I thought it was beauty therapy. Yeah. What did I say? Meeting Your Magic. Oh, sorry. I have meeting. (laughs) See, I'm drunk. Um, I have I have Meeting Your Magic now is the new iteration of beauty therapy. Beauty therapy was the name of it. It was for beauty mm-hmm. beauty professionals. And I was using my human design readings to, like, fund the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kept looking at it like it was just a thing that was happening in the background. Like, I don't really love it just because I have yeah. all of this business coming to me with, like, absolute ease and not trying at all. Like, I'm meant to be a podcaster. Um, but when I ended up really diving into my analytics, like, a year later, I realized – a lot of people were not from the U.S. that were listening. I had a lot of people mm-hmm. in Turkey and Saudi Arabia and Egypt. And um, more than half of them were not even beauty professionals. So here I was thinking I was like doing this thing and I was actually doing something else, yeah. um, which is why I ended up, which is why I ended up pivoting. But it took me, it's taken me a really long time to come out, to come out as a human design reader and say, mm-hmm. this is what I do. And, uh, and it's really only been about a year of actually being like more, a more public facing reader mm-hmm. and, uh, and meeting your magic got launched in January. So needless to say, the business has completely outgrown me and my like availability that I'm giving to it. Um, and so I know that means it is time to reevaluate and that's pivot. a great problem kind of though. <laughs> You're like, whoa, you know, it's become such a thing that I like wasn't you kind of aren't even prepared for that moment to happen. It kind of just creeps up on you and you're like, holy shit, this is happening. And 
it's here. Like the thing that you kind of are like are waiting for, excited about, and then it just arrives and you're like, we're doing this. It's it's successful. People are wanting this. They want it so much that like I have to start thinking of a plan B because the plan A wasn't prepared for this. It was oh, so easy during uh, during COVID because we weren't going anywhere on the weekends. Yeah. And, um, like our Christmas break, my fiance tested positive for COVID and we had two weeks set aside to go home to Rhode Island and we didn't go anywhere. And so I had all of this creative space and time and I took clients all weekend and my nights I wasn't doing anything. Now that yeah. we're reentering into the yeah. world, I'm like, oh my God. Yep. It's actually, it's hard to keep it all. Um, and I... It's interesting as well because I can see where, and we all do this, I can see where I had a lot of fear around being seen Mm -hmm. and I had to work through that before I was ready to truly expand. And so there were times where based off of absolutely nothing I did or said, my business would completely stop for a month. And it was, it was any time that I felt like I was gaining momentum, I would energetically stop it. Like Mm -hmm. if people were booking without me posting, if people were sharing my podcast and and commenting and all those things, I would get like, oh my God, it's happening without me. And like, I have no control and it's so scary. And it is. Yeah. I, that happened to me once sometime last year, I posted a quote, no different than any other quote I've ever posted for the past three years. And for whatever reason, this thing got like I don't know, over like a thousand likes or something. But I remember I was sitting on my bed watching TV and my phone just started boom, 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 boom. And I'm looking down and it's getting like 25 likes a second. And like it can't keep up with the notifications. And I'm literally panicking. I'm like, wait, what's happening? (laughs) Wait, no, don't do this. Rewind. Stop. No, like something, you know, I'm used to getting like 90 people see something I post and I get 90 people in one minute and then have that go all night long. I remember I went to sleep and woke up the next morning and it was still going and I was terrified. I totally know that that like what that that fear is because you're like it's what you want success. You want the visibility. You want the things that are going to help grow your business and bring you, you know, the life path and career path and journey you've been striving for. But what if I don't want this? Or what if this happens and people hate it or they hate me? Or, you know, all all this visibility then comes back to me and now I'm being told that I actually suck and no one wants anything to do with me. <laughs> like, it's so scary. Yeah, that's, oh God, all of that, all of that. And and this is like the thing that I, I hadn't asked myself before and why I, I was so uh, stuck. I was so set on keeping myself small Like, I was so comfortable with people I knew and people that had had readings with me, listening to my content and hearing about me. And I wanted the community that I knew to love me. And in the back of my mind, or, like, when I thought about starting the podcast, of course I had a moment where I was like, wouldn't this be cool if this, like, was a thing? But I hadn't really gotten ready for the flip side. Mm -hmm. Like, the flip side of it, which is all the things that, that I didn't want that came with being seen, I didn't think I could handle and actually, I'm looking at your chart right now, and you're, like me, open solar plexus. We are emotional. We take in everybody else's emotions, right, by nature. And we absorb it all, and we tend to think that it's ours, and we don't think that we can be in confrontation. We don't think that we could even stand in the idea of someone disagreeing with us or not liking us. 
And so a lot of what we'll naturally do, and it goes against like what we're, we're all, you know, in our, in our human design where we have an open center, we have our tendencies, but we also have a massive area for growth. So we're meant to walk toward the growth. It's about evolution over the course of the entire lifetime. Mm-hmm. But what we'll do naturally is shrink back. And we're meant mm-hmm. to like step into the fire and be like, no, I'm good. Because once you step in the fire and you realize you can like withstand it and it's not that bad, you're like, no, I'm fine. And so I had to do a lot of work around the flip side. And I've, and I've gotten some opportunities, is what they are, of people not liking my stuff. And I've gotten, I recently got a really mean DM and I, and I was like, oh my God. And then I said, it's happening. Like I'm getting the opportunity to see the flip side and to say, I want this anyway. Yeah. And I'm I'm here anyway. It's okay. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. I feel like we're, there's so many things I want to talk about, but I feel like before we get too deep, which we already are. <laughs> Let's just tell everybody like what this even is. Like what is human design? What does that mean? What is it? What are we evaluating when we're using it or looking at it so that people have like a visual of like what we're talking about and and then they can, you know, pull up their chart and sort of follow along. I'm so glad you brought us back to the track. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I can give a high overview of yeah, the types totally. if that'd be good. Yeah. Okay, so we have manifestors up first. Um, our manifestors are the initiators of the world. They're the ones that came here to create. They came here to tell everyone else basically what to do. And they immediately manifest. Like whatever it is that they want, it's almost like between the universe and them, they kind of have a direct line. And they can just call up and be like, hey, I'd like a white horse to please show up on my doorstep tomorrow. And as long as... <laughs> As long as they feel energetically aligned with it, that white horse is coming, right? They basically have almost have like no filter that they have to run it through. They just get to say it and it's there. For manifestors, I always think of like, I think, therefore I am. Any I am statements are also really powerful for a manifestor. Now, back in the day, human, so human design has been around since the beginning of time. And even though it was only established in 1987, it when it was established by a man named Ra Uruhu, he downloaded the entire history of human design and how it had affected humanity and really what its role is in humanity. And so really back in the day when manifestors were a part of tribes, their job was to be the ones to say, we need someone to build me a hut. I need this happening over here. You're hunting, you're making babies you're gather- like you're doing this and that and they really mm-hmm. just kind of bossed everybody else around and really said what the tribe was going to be and at the manifestor's word things would start to happen so we needed around one manifestor per every tribe so manifestors make up around 6% of the population now the thing with their aura is that their aura is very Sometimes you'll hear the word repelling used. I like to think of it as like selective, right? Not necessarily everybody is going to be down with a manifestor vibe. It's like a very strong aura that was meant to keep them safe. It was meant to make sure that somebody wouldn't try to overthrow them in the middle of the night where they're sleeping. Because if the manifestor of the tribe dies, not very good for the tribe. The tribe has really lost kind of the power of the leader. So this aura was meant to just tell people like, back up if they get too if they get too close if they try to do anything sketchy 
Mm -hmm. The aura keeps them safe. And nowadays, we don't need manifestors to be this massive, authoritative human who's telling everybody else what to do. And their role has really shifted over the years to becoming a person that just wants to be able to manifest and manifest in peace. They just want to be able to call in the thing that that they want to call in without causing chaos, without other people getting mad at them, without everything like feeling like the world is turning over just because they've they've manifested, which can which can often happen now. So they've gone from authority figure to almost like a peacekeeper and Mm -hmm. and longing for just manifestation in harmony and their signature is when a manifester really feels like they're in peace. That's literally it. They just have to feel like they're calm, they're in peace, and their not-self-theme is anger. So I kind of like to look at the scale of like a when a manifester is feeling raging because either someone's blocking them from manifesting the thing that they want or they manifested the thing that they want and now it's being taken away or it's causing harmful side effects, they'll typically get angry. And when they've got what they want and everything is in harmony, they feel peace. Now, their strategy to move through the world is that they have to inform. Now, most manifestors, I say, you got to inform. Like their immediate feeling is like, no, I don't want (laughs) to. I don't feel like it. They never want to because manifestors look at the rest of us like those slow pokes. They just can't (laughs) get it together. So you have, as a manifester, you have to inform the people that are going to be affected by your manifestation before it happens. If you wait mm-hmm. until it happens, then you're screwed. Now, what tends to happen with manifestors, I said, when they don't inform, what happens is they're too many blocks and they can't receive what they want to manifest because they haven't made the room. Or they end up manifesting, but then their best friend can't come. No one will drive them. And they end up sitting at home saying, why does my life suck so much? I have these tickets and I can't even go. So the pathway to peace is is informing. And actually, the pathway to your manifestation period is typically informing. Now, a lot of manifestors, when I'm like, you got to tell people, they're like, no, they're going to be mad or they're going to get in my way. But energetically, when the right people haven't been informed, things are going to get in your way anyway. So the fastest way is informed. Love it. My boyfriend's a manifester. So I've been really enjoying reading all about them. And again, a lot of aha moments where I'm like, yup, yup, yup. <laughs> it's amazing to have a manifester so close to you because you can kind of ride the wave and ride under their wing of manifestation abilities. And if you can get them on board with what you want, they can actually help you manifest. But the last thing I want to say for our manifestors that are listening is that to truly step into your power outside of just informing people the biggest thing to let go of is really the need to be liked. Energetically, just the way that your aura is, you're going to brush up against people no matter what. And this is kind of a hard pill to swallow. It's like, yeah, but I just want everyone to love me. And really, your aura is just not designed for everybody to immediately envelop into you and think that you're the most magnificent thing ever. People are going to feel resistance based off of where they're at in their life. Like if they're not comfortable around power, if they're not comfortable with themselves, if they feel threatened in any way, they're going to feel it with you. You're going to show them that. And Mm -hmm. so you're going to piss people off anyway. You are. You might as well piss people off doing the thing that you really want, the thing that you're meant to be. Like you even playing small is going to rub people the wrong way. 
So play big. Do what you came here to do. Go for the moon. And, you know, just drink the juice of your haters and call it a day. Because they're going to give you... They're going to give you so much fuel. And, and, and the people that like you are going to love you. Love it. So good. So next we have generators and manifesting generators. I'll talk about the generators first. We're designed similarly. Gens and mangens are here to create energy for the world. We're the energy makers. I like to think about it like we are the coffee. And the other energy types walk around every day with an empty cup and we fill it with whatever it is that we're cooking up. So our number one job in the world is to make good coffee. And we don't make good coffee when we think about what should I make today? What does everybody else want? What type of beans should I use? We make good coffee when we say, man, I love this French vanilla espresso that I got from Italy. I bet Italy doesn't have French vanilla. I feel like that's very American. (laughs) Right? But when we say, like, this is my favorite bean. This is what I'm going to use. I'm going to make this coffee for me. When we fill our cup and we fill up ourselves with our joy and our desires, we have an infinite flow of good coffee, of good energy to share. When we do it for everybody else and when we give from our lack, other people feel it. And so instead of giving energy, we're actually sometimes can take energy away or deplete a room. So if you're a generator or manifesting generator, you probably know you have the ability to light it up if you feel good or bring that room down a notch if you don't. Your job is to feel good. Your job is to feel good. So you got to listen to your desires. Now, just to bring it back to history for a moment, back in the day when we had our manifestors leading the tribe, telling everybody what to do, who was doing it? It was the generators. The generators. The generators <laughs> yep. were doing it. They were like, you need you need a pyramid? I'll figure out how to make cement. No problem. Gotcha. Right? Like, they really had a sense of purpose uh, based off of contribution. And we still do. It's just that our our need and our and our desire to contribute in a way that feels aligned is is different now. We have evolved. And so just contributing for the sake of contributing isn't enough. It has to be in direct alignment with your soul's contract, with what you uniquely came here to do. And so many generators are still stuck as that cog in the wheel, as the one saying, I'm just going to keep doing this work because I can. We're designed to work, right? Manifesting generators and generators. We're designed to work. Like we can do that nine to five. We can put the, the hours in, but just because we can doesn't mean that we need to. Mm-hmm. And so our... Our biggest thing is to look for where we're saying I should in our lives. Like, where are we just committing because we think that we should? And how do we tap back into our desires? Generators and manifesting generators are led by their sacral. Their strategy is to respond to life. Even a manifesting generator who's part manifester, part generator is meant to respond to life. And what does that mean to respond? It means to feel it in your whole body. Mm Mm-hmm. And you know when you haven't, because when you're a generator or a manifesting generator and you have not processed something through your whole body, it isn't, it isn't yours yet. And then you try to go ahead and manifest it anyway, and either it never comes or it arrives and it's not what you wanted at all. So like, what do I mean by this? We got to anchor it in. Once I figured out my strategy, I, my life changed because I figured out if I could get close enough to something. And sample it inside of my aura. Sample it inside of my being. It was mine. 
but if you're trying to manifest a house, if you're trying to manifest a new career, if you're trying to manifest a partner, you have to put yourself in the situation where you're, you're really close to the thing that you want so that you can actually get a visceral response. And I'm talking either your gut will tell you yes by kind of making your shoulders roll backward, your heart opening, the world feel like it's expanding around you, or you'll feel a no, which your shoulders roll forward gut pulls back and away and the world feels like it's shrinking around you and that's what it is to be sacrally led that's what it means to respond it's just about going after the thing that you need to make sure that you've given the universe a green light Mm -hmm. so our green light gens man gens is feeling it in your gut now generators are designed more purely to concentrate and work and achieve mastery so they can really study the violin when they're young and then be like join the biggest orchestra in the world and teach violin and stay in the violin family for the rest of their lives. Of course, they can pivot if they want to, but pivoting is a choice. It's not mm-hmm. mandatory. They can just, they can choose what they desire and go down that path. They have the ability to achieve mastery. Manifesting generators are a newer age hybrid. And, and this is, um, projectors are as well. Mangens and projectors did not come around until the late 1700s, 1780 actually is when we came in. And it was after, as humans, we had moved out of simply just surviving into a space where we wanted to thrive. And once we had figured out our survival skills and knew like our kid, like you don't have to have 25 kids and only have two live. Like you can, right. you're going to make it most likely. Let's do something that fulfills us, right? Mm-hmm. That's where we came in. Manifesting generators came in here to teach the world that life does not have to be linear to be successful and that it gets to be fun. Our signature uh, is satisfaction for manifesting generators and for generators. When we're feeling satisfied, it's been a good day. And I know, guys, that sounds underwhelming. Like, satisfaction? (laughs) Really? I just... (laughs) You're like, that's it? That's it? I was, when I first heard that, I was like, no, I want like rainbows shooting out of my butt. I want like butterfly. I want like magic. I want magic. Mm -hmm. I don't want satisfaction. But what it really is, and I want you to think about this feeling that you get after you've had a day that just felt so aligned in contribution where you worked hard and you got good results and you got good feedback and maybe you physically moved your body and Maybe someone said, I love you that day that loves you. When you lay your head on that pillow and you just go, that's our signature, that Mm -hmm. feeling like that was a good day. And if we aim for a good day, we're going to hit it out of the park. When we aim for rainbows coming out of our butt, sometimes we're we're a little like, ah, it wasn't, wasn't, wasn't good. But like, (laughs) just know if you're feeling satisfied, you're doing the thing. Um, And our not self theme is frustration. So we tend to, so manifests is anger, gens and mangens, it's frustration. We feel stuck. We feel frustrated. We get mad when we try to act like manifestors and it doesn't pan out. Um, that used to be me all the time. I used to be so frustrated watching my best friend kill it in her business she opened and she's still killing it. Um, her name's Adrian. She has a company called How to Be a Redhead and she is killing it. And I was like, why can't I even, you know, cleaning hair out of drains at 26 years old? Like, what am I doing? Um, I was never frustrated with her. I was frustrated with me. Like, why isn't it happening for me? Yeah. So, so yeah, um, that, that, that's it for us, uh, guys and shout out man gens. I love you. And, uh, I feel your pain. Let's talk about the man, the projectors, you. Yeah. 
projectors, as I said, newer breed, newer, newer uh, energy type to the table. And projectors are here to see it all. When I think about projectors, I always like to think about, it's a little bit of a story, but I think about projectors coming to a world of squirrels. So say we've got all the generators and all the manifesting generators are squirrels in a forest. And the game of life is to get the most acorns. And so all the little squirrels are like running up the trees and grabbing acorns and putting them in a pile. And then Melissa is born. (laughs) She looks around and because projectors are quite rare, all she sees is squirrels. So she's like, all right. So she figures out how to climb up the tree with her little bird feet. And she digs through the ground with her little bird beak. And she gets really good at getting acorns. In fact, she can get more acorns in the hour than any other squirrel. The problem is, at the end of the day, she is burnt out. She's like, I don't understand. These squirrels, they just go and go and go. And I work a couple good hours and I'm like, I'm exhausted. (laughs) And they just keep going and going. And so she always feels a little off, which isn't what it is. And then one day she walks by the river and she catches her reflection. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm a bird. I'm not even a squirrel. Like, what have I been doing? (laughs) So she flaps her little wings and she just wants to see what's going to happen. So she flaps them, she flaps them, and all of a sudden she flies up into the sky. And now she's over the tree. She's over the forest and she's looking down. And from this perspective, she sees that actually all of the good acorns is like an acre away. And all her friends are hanging out at the wrong tree. She flies back down and they're like, oh, my God, Melissa, we saw you up there. <laughs> you can what? fly. What's good, girl? <laughs> so what was up there? And you're like, you guys, the good acorns are, you know, 20 trees away. And they're like, all right. So they all go. And then and then you're like, by the way, while I was up there, I noticed Kira, the assembly line that you had going with Sue was no good. <laughs> you guys got to switch places. Kira, you kept dropping the acorns. So, nope, you're switching. You're going to climb the tree. So. All of a sudden now, because you've gotten this vision and you've given yourself this space and you've allowed yourself to fly, you can really see it all. The problem with most projectors is they spend a good portion of their life really burnt out on the ground. And maybe they have that moment where they recognize they're different. They catch the reflection. They look down. They see, oh, it got wings. But rather than jumping up in the air and just taking flight just to do it, they stay on the ground and they start yelling at everybody, listen to me, I have wings, I know more, I know more, right? So many projectors get caught in this, like, I know I'm different, I know I've got perspective, but I'm just going to stay here and tell you all how it's done. Because you should listen to me because I'm a, I'm the bird. Y'all are squirrel. Like, listen up. Clearly, I know. So there's, there's a necessary step of embodiment. There's a necessary step of self-recognition in the river and then the embodiment that happens by flying up just for you, right? Mm -hmm. Mastering it just for you, doing it for you and allowing the community to see you do your thing and embodying the heck out of it and calling on you to say, tell me what you see there. Mm -hmm. So this is why with projectors, they say you got to wait for the invitation because your aura is so penetrating. It kind of like poke, 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 like it'll just poke, poke holes through stuff. And if the other person isn't energetically ready to hear what you got to say and they haven't called on you for it, it's almost going to feel brash, right? And and if, if you throw a piece of advice at somebody and they're not ready energetically to catch it, it's almost going to feel like it bounces off of them and comes back to hit you in the face. And it makes you go, man, I guess I'm bad at this whole advice thing. I guess I'm bad at this whole, 
vision thing. I guess I don't know what I'm talking about, right? It's not that you're wrong. It's actually that you are dangerously on point and they weren't ready. Wow, that's crazy. That was a fantastic overview. (laughs) That was just like poetic. (laughs) I talked to a lot of projectors. Oh my Um, God, loved it. So really, this wait for the invitation piece for projectors, I I, I feel like that's the strategy, right? Is to wait for the invitation and they don't want, just like manifestors, they're like, I'm just going to sit here and wait. No, no, you don't sit here and wait. You, you, you freaking fly, my friend. Whatever you're doing in the backyard, you need to start doing in the front yard. Whatever self-development, whatever you're working on, put it where people can see it. You just don't go ask them, do you want to buy one? Right. Right? You just, you just put it there. Just show them what you're doing. And so any time a projector has an opportunity to be in their embodiment, and just show people who you are. Take it. And you don't have to just like wait on the couch. You get to go to that networking event. You get to go mm-hmm. there and talk to people. Have you ever seen the movie Hitch? Yeah. Is that with Will Smith? Yes. Yes. I like, kind of can't really remember it, but I know of the movie. So I'll paraphrase it for you. Okay. There's a guy who's got no game and he wants <laughs> he wants to go on a date with this beautiful girl named Allegra. So he's got no game and he hires Will Smith to help him win Allegra over. And he actually gets Allegra to to agree to go on a date. And Will Smith is showing him how he's going to close off the night. He's like, you're going to go in for the kiss. 90%. Let her decide. Oh, yeah. Let her do the last 10. Give her that 10% room to decide if she's taking it. (laughs) Yes. That my friends, is how a projector can completely go. When you go to a networking event, if you're a coach, if you are a hairdresser, if you are, I don't know, in looking for a new job, right, in marketing, you go, go to these things and tell people what you do. You just don't say, do you want to hire me? Mm-hmm. Show up. Go 90%. Let them close a deal. Like, your aura, of course, is a little, you know, can poke into people. So give them the space. If they decide they want it, when they come into that aura, they're like, oh my God, this is amazing. I feel enveloped. I feel incredible. This is the exact energy that I wanted to be in. But when you push it on them, that's when they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's like, go, go. You don't have to sit on your couch whatsoever. You can put yourself in it, all of it. Just let them kiss you at the end of the night. That is a perfect explanation because I have been trying to understand what that means for so long now. And I'm just like, I'm like trying to find subtle cues of when somebody's given me the invitation. I'm like, was that it? Was that an invitation? Was that an invitation? I'm like almost overanalyzing it of like, is it a literal invitation? Is that like a metaphor? (laughs) Like, It's just hard to like grasp. But that is... It makes perfect sense. So we have, last one, I swear, reflectors. This is the last one. So back in the day, back to the tribe, we had generators, we had manifestors, and we had one reflector in every single tribe. Reflectors are completely open energetically. Every single energy center in their whole body is white, meaning they take in everybody else's stuff. And their job is to be a mirror back to us, is to show us how we're doing as a collective based off of how they are doing. So they kind of become the sum of all parts of us. So in the tribe, this reflector, I kind of picture like a wise woman who would sit in the center of the tribe. People would come to her and look in her eyes. And by looking in her eyes, they could just get a gauge of like, ooh, 
we're in trouble. Yeah. Community isn't good. Or like, oh, wow, we're, we're actually doing really well. Things are great. And reflectors are obviously, they can be very misunderstood because they're always going to reflect back to the community, who the community is. If you are a reflector, it's so, so, so important that you are really thoughtful by who you surround yourself with. You definitely, maybe you've heard about, you become the five people that you surround yourself with the most. Like reflectors, it's like you literally become <laughs> the sum of the people that you surround yourself with. And I think about like, you're kind of like an ocean. You are going to reflect exactly the color of the sky. You know how if, if an ocean, mm-hmm. if it's stormy out, the ocean looks like gray or black. Or if it's nighttime, mm-hmm. the ocean is like dark, dark blue. Or if it's a beautiful day out, the ocean looks like more clear and light. Like that's reflector, just reflecting the top kind of down. However, beneath that layer is so much there's a whole world, right? right? Yeah. There's a whole world that is you that is a reflector. So you definitely have your own personality traits, your own special things that you love, your own soul contract, your own things that you came here to do. So it's about taking plenty of time to also step outside of the external world and just playing in that internal world and kind of energetically clearing to figure out, am I on track for what I want? Mm-hmm. The strategy for reflectors is that they have to wait 28 days or an entire lunar cycle in order to make a decision. This is for big decisions that are actually going to affect them more long-term. Obviously, if they're trying to decide, like, do I want to eat a banana for lunch? They'll probably die if they have to wait the 28 (laughs) days to chew. Oh, God. Um, So you can navigate your life as it feels good for you on a day-to-day basis, but with more significant decisions like changing a job, entering or leaving a relationship, um, moving, you're going to want to give yourself a full month. And that is a rule of thumb as well. You can kind of lean into what feels good for you. And once you start Mm -hmm. to know yourself and your cycle and your patterning, you'll know when you've reached a space where you feel quite decisive about where you've landed. And the signature for reflectors is delight. They want more than anything in the world to believe that we're good, that humanity is good, that we're all going to be okay, that not only are we good, but we're like joyful, blissful beings who are full of surprise. I love to be surprised, like in the right, good surprise, right? Surprise Mm -hmm. in the right direction. And they feel at their lowest and they're not self-themed. They feel disappointment, like just disappointed in humanity, feeling like, why did I get my hopes up? And so, you know, two reflectors and they're so rare, they make up less than 1% of the population. But if you're a reflector and you're listening, I just want to remind you, do not live to avoid disappointment. I know it's your thing you feel, fear the most, but you're going to live through it. It's okay. It's just a moment in time. And if you live to not be disappointed, you end up living a disappointing life. Mm-hmm. So it's like, just go for it. Have the hope. Believe that we are good. We are good. Look at Melissa and I. We're great. Like, look. <laughs> I know humanity's a little crazy out there, but there are so many great, incredible people. And don't, yeah. don't lose hope. That's, that's the biggest thing. Stay, stay with people and stay in the environment that you love and, and you're going to be just fine. And you have a very special assignment here on earth to show us all how we're doing, but don't forget mm-hmm. to really tap into who you are. So those are the five. Well, one of the things that's been really like confusing me is like, I've been for months now looking at my chart, figuring out all like, kind of like how you said you have an Excel, you had an Excel sheet going. So do I. <laughs> I have like screenshots of like, this is what this is. This is what it looks like. This is what it means. And it's a work in progress. But like a couple questions. First question to ask you is like this 
concept of defined and undefined or defined and open or closed and open. Like, so when one of your auras is colored in or it's all white, what like exactly does that mean? From what I've read or researched, like having all of those white means you're more susceptible to external forces, like not manipulating you, but having more of an impact in the way that you think or behave. Can you describe a little bit more about what that closed or open means? So when people are looking at their chart and they're like, oh my God, it's all white. Is that scary? Or, oh my God, it's all colored. Is that good? Like a little bit more about that. Great question. Absolutely. So a defined energy center represents in your body where you are completely solid and stable, where your energy is is yours, to your point, and it's a little bit more reliable. And where you're white represents where you're open, which is where you take in, you're kind of more of like a sponge. You'll take in conditioning, you'll take in um, the energies around you, and it is where you have the most opportunity for growth. So for everybody that's listening, I have one, two, four energy centers that are defined so they're colored in and then the remaining one two three four five are white and they're open Mm -hmm. so more open than closed yes so anywhere you're open shows me that you have unlimited potential to grow in these areas over a lifetime and there's no cap on how you can grow Mm -hmm. so in a way the more open you are the more growth like i for example have defined throat which means I was born feeling pretty good about what I wanted to say. Mm -hmm. But it's not the way I could go from someone who never felt comfortable speaking in front of people to becoming like the largest public speaker in the world, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. that, that, that area there in my throat is not, I'm not designed for unlimited growth over the Mm -hmm. course of my life forever and ever and ever. Amen. As you, as you are. Got it. Okay. So, So it's, it's also a benefit. Okay, so then the other question that I have is within this body chart, there's a ton of lines, which are channels, and they kind of connect all these different auras together or they don't. And the way you know that is whether they're colored in or how far they're colored in. And there's like a whole pattern behind that. And so where I've been stumped right now, where like, okay, I've gotten through all the the different auras uh, or centers. And now I'm trying to figure out what these channels mean. And each of these channels have numbers next to them. So I've been like looking up what all these numbers mean. And I'm just like, what in the world? This is a science. It's a math. It's so complex. And I guess like, is there just like a digestible way to explain what these channels do or what they're telling you? Such a good question. So what you've described is when you look at a chart, you'll see black lines, red lines, or candy cane stripe lines. And sometimes, as you said, they'll go from one energy center to another energy center. And sometimes they'll go halfway. When they go halfway, which is far more common, it's called a gate or a hanging gate. It means that it's like half of an energy, half of half, half of a half of a complete line of energy that would normally connect. When it goes all the way, it is a channel. And if you see a candy cane striped, it essentially means that there's two different lines of energy happening on top of each other. And I don't think I said this earlier, but human design takes your birth time, your birth details, and it calculates a sun birthday or your traditional birthday 
and then a soul birthday, which is your design. And it goes 88 days back before you're born, and that's the moment your soul dropped into your body. So we're actually looking at two different astrology charts combined. And our soul is is comes through on those red lines that mm-hmm. you see. And the red lines are things that we are more subconscious, they're more subconscious energies about us. And the black ones are ones where I'm like, if I tell you, if I called out one of those right now, you'd be like, yeah, that's true. That's me, right? <laughs> or if I, if I tell you a red one, you might be like, hmm, really? Uh-huh. Now, looking at your chart, you actually have quite a lot of overlap of things that come come through really strong for you because it's like a candy cane stripe and it actually comes through on a soul level and a personality level, which means it's like your innate tendency and your truth Mm -hmm. as well as how you identify and openly express yourself in the world. And that's what creates the candy cane stripe. It's it's, Mm -hmm. it's coming through on double. Now, where we have a channel, like where two energy centers are actually connected, there's a whole new vibe. It's almost like its own energy center within the body. It's crazy. Interesting. So I don't have any of those. You do. Oh, I do? You have two. So you have 46. (laughs) You have 46 to 26. And you have 63 to 4. Now, very interesting that I'm having a conversation with you right now. Because I'm going to talk to you about the one in the head. Do you see your, your head into your Ajna center that's lit up? Do you see how we have half a black line at gate 63? Yes, and half a red line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I shouldn't even be talking to you right now about human design because you, my friend, <laughs> are not hardwired to believe in stuff like this. Really? Mm-hmm. That's wild. So what this is, and let's go back to like that idea of the tribe. You are the one in the tribe. And this is why everyone has to live their truth. This is why everyone's got to do their thing. Because if we don't do our thing, it's like, what? Like, someone's going to miss it. You are the one that would be like, is it going to explode? How do I know it's real? Will the roof cave in? Mm -hmm. Asking all of these questions. And sometimes this can even be referred to as like a voice of doubt that actually comes into you that wants to turn everything on its side and question it and be like, yeah, but is it true? Is it real? And it has a very hard time believing in anything mm-hmm. just believing is is not hard but if it, if there can be proof and evidence then she will believe mm-hmm. if there can be proof and evidence first so when i see a 63 to 4 i'm like all right i'm impressed they booked a reading with me because <laughs> they must have a lot of social proof or have done a significant amount of research to have decided that this actually aligns with them enough to say Tell me more. I'm here. I'm ready to hear it. Because mm-hmm. for the most part, this is the type that says, mm, I don't know. Yeah. Let me look at that. And again, it's 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 here to protect the tribe. It's here to make sure, like, we're not all just going to fall for the next scheme. <laughs> we're mm-hmm. really going to, like, be alert. We're going to be high. We're going to be questioning. It's a channel that's aligned to keep the tribe safe. That's always mm-hmm. going to have doubt. But I do want to tell you about 4426. Uh, your other channel, which is yeah. actually a skill for sales. Oh, really? Yes. And a yeah. very, and I can already, when I when I saw you, I was like, oh, she's got, I already knew you had this. <laughs> it's charisma. And it's this like really big energy about you that can essentially help anybody get on board with whatever it is that you're into. So if you're like, you guys... Like, I just, I knew you had it. I, I knew you had it when you were like, 
and this wine is sustainable. Or like, <laughs> you're like, you're like, I think it's really, winemakers. Yeah, like, I think this is really good. It's naked wines. I was like, there she goes. Like, it's just an innate ability to, to talk about and share and sell anything that like you actually vibe with. As long as you're mm-hmm. energetically behind it, you can sell ice to an Eskimo. <laughs> Any sponsors out there listening? Yes. I'm going to write them an email. I'm going to be like, have you heard? That's funny. That's so funny. That's hilarious. I know. I'm just waiting for Trader Joe's to finally see one of my wine pitches for them. Oh, my gosh. So much great stuff. I just wanted to ask you a couple more questions, um, mainly just for like everybody else who's listening and might still be like oh do I want to look into human design is this for me so a couple things I'm wondering like in what ways do you think like human design can really I guess just more following your strategy following your type following your authority in what ways can that really like transform our lives and I also know like second part to this is like there's this period in which if you are going to dedicate yourself to this new sort of path, you also have to like decondition all the things that we've like learned in our lives, whether that's like the way we were raised or way we, where we grew up or what we believed we needed to be because that's what society told us. So like if we were to get to a point where we kind of like backed away from all of this conditioning and just like full steam ahead, started to really implement some of these new ways of following our design like what can we expect from that if we really dedicate ourselves to it i love that one thing i want to say before i jump i jump into that is i understand by looking at your chart that you are the type of person that does like to go through it in order to receive the good thing at the end so it's like if it's hard if i have to decondition if it's going to be hard and I go through X, Y, and Z, then I get the magic of human design, right? Mm-hmm. I got to lean back. I got to wait. I got to, like, there's a part of you, gate 38, that does enjoy the struggle. So at the end, you're like, ah, here we go. I want to, <laughs> I want to, I want to tell you, you can just choose to move into it. And tomorrow you can feel the effects. You don't have to do all of the, like, breakdown and the, like, ripping things apart and, like... <laughs> And all su- the like scary and stuff and no no you don't you you can choose and you don't even have to believe you don't even have to believe it is it is such magic yes when we want to dig in and we want to do the work there's going to be we're going to find the work and it will find us but we as much as possible i want you to start asking yourself how easy can this be for me to just lean into my projector life with the least amount of resistance the reason we seek our, our chart, the reason that we want to start practicing our strategy is so that we can find flow. So mm-hmm. I want you to declare, I'm living my design. I'm stepping into flow. The resistance, the deconditioning is just naturally going to start to happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel like I'm doing it a lot more now than I was like a year ago. Like I can see like a huge shift has already happened where, especially like just me and my own career, I've like... I've had many different jobs and it's always, you know, that thing where you get a new job. You're looking for something better and then you go and get that something better and then it's exactly either like just where you came from or like didn't really pan out and then you're like, oh, okay, well, I'll do this for a while and then you're like, okay, I'm ready for something better and it just still isn't something better and I've been like playing this game for like years of my life until finally I was like, 
I truly don't believe that anybody else is going to give me what it is that I'm looking for. So I'm just going to build it on my own. And that's what I've been doing for the past couple of years. But only for the past year have I really, like, taken it seriously. Where, like, the past couple, like, when I started it, it was like, oh, this is just this thing I do. Where in the past year, it's like, no, this is my thing. <laughs> like, this is what I've built, created, you know, made happen. Like, this is mine. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And so I feel like I'm already, like, making that adjustment. And now it's kind of like allowing the next chapter to start mm-hmm. kind of like how you were saying at the beginning of this episode of like working through those things where you're like "Ooh, am I ready for the success am I ready for people to see me I feel like I'm still like a little bit underneath that and so being able to be like oh yes you are ready or you are capable or you are worthy that's kind of this the next huge jump I have to make to then get to that other level of my life yeah, it makes so much sense. And and by no means am I trying to dismiss the inner work that we have to do, right? Like, it, we ha- we have it. And I think you just mm-hmm. hit your nail on the head. And you just called out, like, here's what, I, here's what I know I'm ready for. But also know that we can choose it in a day, too. Mm-hmm, like, we can totally. be like, we can be like, I'm moving out of this. I'm, I'm moving out. Here's what yeah. I identified. And for me, it was like this like long time of just sitting with it and then really, truly one day being like, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing? I'm ready. And it took like some uh, hate DM for me to be like, this isn't all that bad. Yeah. Bring it on, baby. Right. Right. So, um, you're so there. If I if I could impart um, from your profile, just one piece of wisdom for you yeah. would be as, as a heretic hermit. Um, the first part of your profile is that you are, and you just, you just said it and it was so beautiful. You said, I have to create the thing for me. Mm-hmm. You're the hero. And so you were designed naturally to be the hero for everyone at every job. I, I bet you're the one that's like, I got it. I got this. Let me figure it out. Of course. I'll figure it. Me, 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 me. Got it. Yes, 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 yes. Done, done, done. Any one of your friends or family that needs something is like, Melissa, we can ask Melissa. She'll do it. Yep, she's got it. 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 <laughs> Pretty much. And if you're not careful, you spend your whole life being the hero of everyone else's story. Mm-hmm. Putting everything aside that you want for them and thinking someone surely will come across and be the hero of mine. Someone surely will come across and say, look at everything you've done for everyone else. Now is your time to shine. Now, now, now it's back to you. Now, now over to you, Melissa. And the truth is, is the person that's going to do that is you. Mm-hmm. And your job is actually to unbecome the hero of everyone else's story and become the hero of your own. Because when you do that, when you become the hero of your own story, all of a sudden, the way you contribute to the world and what you can do for people and how you can help people gets magnetize like it 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 grows a hundredfold because your cup is full and you're the embodiment of the thing that's going to move and shift you could be millions of people that's so wild to think about (laughs) yeah but when you're doing it for everyone else you're you're limited as long as you're the hero of everyone else's story you'll always be in a space of limitation it's when you step into you where it's like it could just ripple ripple and ripple Mm -hmm. And energetically, 
you remind people and show people how important it is to really step up for them. So you get to do this for you, you get to do this for me, and you get to do this for all of us. And that's your destiny. Whew! Fantastic. I feel like I just went through a therapy session. I feel like (laughs) I just went through a very good hangout with a friend (laughs) in a New York City bar. And then I'm asking... (laughs) How do I need to get, right get an Uber home? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my oh my goodness. God. If anyone I mean, I don't I I, I hope you're gonna edit this baby down because we've oh, been hanging for a <laughs> very long time. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I need to we need to wrap it up. We gotta wrap this up. Um, okay, well before we go, tell everybody about your podcast, where we can find you, stay in touch, all that stuff. Okay, so thank you. So much for having me. Oh, my gosh. Um, my podcast is called Meeting Your Magic. And uh, you can find me at Meeting Your Magic on Instagram or Cure With Love is my personal account. And I have so many good things happening around the corner. I just launched some human design swag, which are these like super cool university sweatshirts. So if you're familiar with human design, got those coming out. Um, I have an energy boot camp. That's launching soon. And a human design teacher training. uh, It's going to be rolling out in September. So So cool. I'm so excited for all of that. And you're still right now available for readings? Yes, I am. Cool. And how do we do we go to your website? How do we book that with you? You you there's you can't even miss it. You can if you follow <laughs> me on Instagram at Cure with Love or Meeting Your Magic or my website, meetingyourmagic.com. It's always right there for you. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing this incredible amount of knowledge that you have. And not even just knowledge in human design, but just like such beautiful perspective on life and purpose and being like, it's just, it's so positive and healthy. It's like the things I'm all, like I have literally listened to every episode of your podcast because I'm like, I just need this in my brain. It's just good, positive energy that, like, can only help me. It can only help me feel good and operate in a healthy way. Um, So, yeah, just thanks for sharing that with me and my audience and being on the show. And I'm just so stoked I met you through our little pod school. And I'm very grateful that you spent this very long evening with me um, talking about human design. I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I I have the time of my life, and I and I need an Uber home. Um. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious! Oh my gosh, what an episode! I had so much freaking fun hanging out with Kira for literally three hours. We had an absolute blast. And I really hope that you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Thank you guys again so much for listening to Mimosa Sisterhood podcast. And if you've been enjoying the show and want to help support me and my little business, please be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show on your favorite platform so that you can receive brand new episodes the moment that they drop. 
Lastly, if you can think of one person that would really love learning about human design, if they are somebody that loves astrology, loves the zodiac, loves personality tests, send this podcast episode to them so that they can learn all about their type, their authority, and so they can start living their best human design life. All right, guys, thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next week. Bye.